What's going on, cool Christian nerd community? This is your host, your brother, from another mother but the same Heavenly Father, Jamie Centeno. This podcast will help you to be the smart one in what matters in any social gathering you're in while keeping your cool factor. Now, how's this going to go down? I thought I'd hit up some of the smartest, most experienced, most keeping it real people I know to talk about subjects they are prolific in and that matter. If you are a younger believer still working out how you are seeing the world and wondering how a person of faith should engage it, this is the podcast for you. I want to keep it brief but beefy with helpful info. Let's go. Well, today on the Cool Christian Nerd Podcast, you're in for a treat. We're going to be talking about something that I don't think it's controversial. Maybe at some point it was. We're going to be talking about the prophetic. I know we can go in so many different directions. We can go on in direction of uses and abuses. We can go in a direction whether it is even something that is relevant for today because we have the word of God. I mean, it's you can go all over the map with this thing. But today, I'm assuming that everybody is cool with the idea that prophetic is a real gift, a real office that is in the church. And I thought we'd keep it pretty light today and just talk about basic prophetic stuff with Rob Sanchez, who has been a great a prophetic voice in our church and so many other places, been all around the world. And so how are you, Rob? Well, I'd like to say life is very good. I'm doing extremely well. I'm blessed. It's so good to hear your voice. And uh, I'm excited, man. I can't wait. Yeah, man. Um, Life is very good. Just give me an idea of where that comes from because you've been (laughs) posting up things and you have a devotional on that. Life is very good. Talk to us about that. Well, life is, life is very good. The Bible says that after God created man, he looked over all of his creation over six days, and he declared it very good. And I really believe that God has called us not to settle for what is good, but for what is very good. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree, the Bible says their eyes to what was to what was good were opened their Mm -hmm. understanding came alive so that means their eyes to the very good closed and when Mm. we get born again and we come to the knowledge that who we are in christ man god wants us to live from above not beneath so i refuse to settle for what is good when god has given me the ability to have what is very good that's great man thank you for that snapshot (laughs) Yeah, so let's let's get into this. The first thing I want to um, just present to you, a question I have, is what is the difference between the office of a prophet and the gift? The gift. Absolutely. Well, we understand, according to Jeremiah chapter 1, that the office of the prophet is a calling. And we understand, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that it's... A gift. And there, there is a difference between a gift and a calling. You know, I'd like to say that those that are gifted, God trains up. Those that are called, they were born for it. So I believe in my life, I was born to be a prophetic word, a prophetic voice. And I had no, no say in the matter. God 
chose me. He set me apart to be this specific person uh, chosen by God to do these things. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference. You know, I, I think most people forget that when we read through the book of Jeremiah, he says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I sanctified you and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. So Jeremiah had no choice in the matter. His only choice was when he chose to say yes, and he came into it, you know. And so that's the mm -hmm. difference between the office of the prophet and the gift of the prophet. Yeah, distinguish that a little bit more when it comes to the prophetic gift, because what you were saying had, uh, to me was speaking of office of the prophet. You're called into something, and, um, and then there's people that have prophetic gifts. What does that? look like maybe in a church setting or in a conference setting? What does that look like? Well, let, let me take you to 1 Corinthians 14 in verse 1. It says, pursue love and desire what? Spiritual gifts. And especially that you would prophesy. Mm -hmm. You know, so out of all the gifts that man has, the one that God wants us to desire is the gift of prophecy because prophecy is a word of encouragement, edification, or exhortation. They are words that build, steer people from ditches and harms, and bring comfort. So when people have a gift of prophecy, they're supposed to operate from that dimension found in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, you know, for edification, exhortation, and for comfort, you know, to the church and to all men. When people begin to share out of the gift of prophecy, that's the dimension or metron that they should operate from to bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification just simply means to raise the roof. So when a word is being spoken that edifies, you're lifting the minds of a person to a higher place. It's good. It kind of brings us to the understanding of the word repentance, you know, because many times a prophetic word will challenge a person to get something in order. You know, mm -hmm. it'll challenge them to reevaluate a thing. Well, those things cause repentance in our life, you know, and when we study the word repentance, it's a Greek word called metanoia, which means not only to change your direction, but to change your mind to a highest to a higher place a penthouse isn't found on the floor it's found in the high the height of a building and, mm -hmm. and that's what god's trying to do he's trying to get people to get to a higher place of living so when someone prophesies a word that is edifying you're lifting someone to a higher perspective when somebody begins to give a word of exhortation in the church we think that's just encouragement. Really, an exhortation, the simplest way to define it is to lean on someone so you would steer them away from a ditch or a pitfall in their life. So when somebody's giving or receiving a word of exhortation, it's really God's love coming out of the, out of the, out of the speaker's mouth to steer a man from trouble. God don't want us to fall in ditches. He don't want us to hurt ourselves. You know, he, he wants to mm -hmm. lead us away from the, the lands of trouble. 
And sometimes that's what an exhortation does. It's kind of like, uh, let me say it like this. I have a teenage daughter, a daughter, and she just learned how to drive. And I remember the first time we put our car in reverse and I had her go, she forgot the difference between the gas and the brake. You and I know the difference between the gas and the brake. She hit that gas pedal so hard that she panicked. And I'm telling her, let go of the gas, let go of the gas, let go of the gas. And she's freaking out. She lets go of the wheel. So we are about to hit a tree when I grabbed the wheel and I steered it. And finally, after the panic is over, she had taken her foot off of the gas and finally hit the brake where we're up on the curb. We're just a few inches away from smashing into a tree. She expected me to yell and be like angry at her. And I said, okay, put the car in drive and let's go and park. And I was able to kind of coach or steer her out of that mistake and begin to share with her the worst thing you can do while driving is panic. It, mm-hmm. And I began to just bring comfort, that exhortation. Now she, she can back up and we don't have to worry about trees anymore. Good. <laughs> so, That's great. You know, so in those three realms, edification, exhortation, of course, the word comfort just simply means to bring a soothing, you know, like a, a balm or a peace over someone who could be mourning or in distress. And so that's how the prophetic gifting works. That's good. One of the things that I've helped me to distinguish um, office from gifting is one, there's a, an authority on the office of the prophet. And then there's an anointing um, on both, but you can have the anointing without the authority um, in, in the sense where the office has maybe a, like you were saying, like a metron and a measure and it place it overseas and a people it oversees to help in a house that it oversees to help um, steer it, soothe it, all that stuff that you mentioned well, forward. Absolutely. One of the things that I realized about the prophetic house is it does edification, exhortation, and comfort, but it does more. It brings a revelation of Christ. It brings direction. At times, it brings correction. Other times, it'll bring confirmation. It also leaves a spirit of impartation. You know, it makes known, reveals, and it releases. It activates, and it has the power to bring deliverance. Mm -hmm. That's the difference between the spirit of prophecy and the office of the prophet there is a greater, as you said, metron or authority that's only given by God. You know, prophets are also known as those who make secrets known. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that helps there. No, that does. Now, there are different styles, if you will, um, that the prophetic operates in. I just thought it would be helpful to maybe share some of what that looks like um, or how you've seen it so that people get a sense of what they are because some people might be seers, for example, and and other people might not. But because people are not seers, they might not feel like they're prophetic because they might be more discerners or feelers. Um, what are you, would you say are the different styles in which the prophetic operates? Well, there's the Nabe prophet where the word of the Lord just flows out of their mouth, kind of like if you took a champagne bottle, 
like athletes do after they win a championship, they shake it up, they pop the cork and that thing just flows out. Some people, Mm -hmm. they just get around somebody and the spirit of God gets stirred up and the word flows out of them. Others are like a Samuel, like you said, they're a seer and a seer. You know, one of the things I recognize is Samuel began to always declare the future. So when you're a seer, you see usually ahead of time. You don't see in the past. Uh, I really believe that one of the people that saw in the past are Ahijah the prophet. And he's the one that was called a gazer. He was able to see past, present, and future. That guy kind of saw all over the place. He was a pretty incredible man. And, hmm. uh, and when we begin to look at the different prophetic, I mean, prophetic is is – it's going to come to us in so many different ways. It's going to come through us through a spoken word, through a written word. You know, there's some prophets that, that don't ever speak, but they write. And what they yeah. write is, is money. There is other people that just speak and it just flows. There's others that see. There's those that hear, you know. Uh, there's also those who do it through prophetic dance, through prophetic music. I mean... The prophetic is is so widespread in how God uses it. It's not limited just to, you know, hearing, hearing and seeing and speaking. That's helpful because I think a lot of people might disqualify themselves if they don't see it in a way that they um, they see it in others, that they have to recognize what it looks like in themselves so that they can grow and develop that. So what are some of the important things someone who has a prophetic gift should be aware of when they're ministering to people? Oh, man, I love this question. One of the things that I really believe is important is understanding permission and submission. Hmm. Permission is when somebody gives you a release to minister to them. I can't just go up to everybody and minister. They have to okay it. You know, Hmm. and submission is... If I'm invited to a church to minister and the pastor, when I'm there, I'm submitted to him. Whatever he asks, I'm going to do. I'm going to follow in that steadfast because I'm in submission to him. If he releases the service to me, now the people are under submission of the anointing that I carry only because the man of God released it to me. So I can call somebody out. The other day I was in Las Vegas. Here's a great example. Uh, The Uh pastor released me to go and minister to people. And I looked at this one particular lady and I said, can I pray for you? And first words out of her mouth were no way. Just like that. I said, wow. You know, and I said, okay, well, I just wanted to share with you how God wanted to heal your knee pain and your leg and the swelling. He slipped it in there anyway. No, and, and so what I did is I walked away. And she goes, what? How did you know that? And I called and I was calling out the next person already. And she goes, wait, wait, wait. I want you to minister to me. So what I did was, you know, I recognized what she had need of. And she was afraid of the prophetic. But by the time I was done, not only did God heal her knee and her leg, but he touched and transformed her heart. And she said, I've never met a man like you. And so because I had the permission from the pastor, all of his congregants 
fell under submission, even when I asked her for permission and she said no, but because I had permission and I was following authority and I shared just a touch, she came along and then she wanted it and she desired it. Well, that's good. I mean, so you get the opportunity to go out there and speak uh, publicly. And so what does submission look like for just the average attender who has that prophetic gift? What does that look like for them, whether they're in its infancy or they are more developed in it? What does it look like for them? Well, let me understand your question. I'll kind of repeat it. I believe you're saying, what does it look like for them to share in prophecy with somebody else? Yeah, whatever prophetic impression or release or yeah. act. Yeah, what does that well, look like? Well, the first thing they got to do is make sure that they get permission. You know, they got to ask the person, hey, can I share this with you? And if the person says yes, then right there, they've received permission. And that's like the green light. And, and then they begin to share their impression, their feeling, what they sense, what they heard, a Bible verse with somebody to begin to, of course, bring edification, exhortation, or comfort to begin to encourage. Right. So that's how it, that's how it, it has to start. Because if we just walked up to everybody and started saying it without parameters, without guidelines, somebody might get a little frustrated or angry, you know, and sometimes what happens is one of the, one of the traps that a lot of people run into is, is just because I have a word, I could prophesy. Yeah. And we need accountability. You know, every prophetic word needs to be judged. Yeah, they get kind of see it as some people can get really excited at what God is showing them. And I get it. I think it is a very exciting thing to have God speak, show you something, get an impression for somebody else. But there's, there's still, I guess, a due order that's in place in order for that to be appropriately um, put forth to people and um, best ministered when it's in a its proper place and it's being granted permission. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always share with young prophetic people, don't prophesy just because you can. You only prophesy when God speaks. Yeah, that takes maturity. And And what it does is it saves a lot of heartache. Because one of the most dangerous things that happens is people go to a prophetic meeting and they're all stirred up. And now with no permission or submission or anything, what they do is they go out and they start prophesying in the parking lot. I'll never forget uh, something like this happened to me. I was walking out of a Kim Clement meeting meeting years ago, and I had a friend of mine that was from overseas, and this one guy is literally driving and we're walking through the parking lot and I mean he's literally driving and he stops in front of her and literally he and his wife jump out of the car and say this is what the spirit of the Lord told me and they I walked up to him and said excuse me Bible says lay hands on no one suddenly I said I don't know you I don't know I don't know, just because you came out of a meeting, I said, I'm responsible for her soul. Her parents have entrusted her to me. I said, thank you, but that was not order. And I remember taking this young lady, her name was Denise. I remember taking her by the hand and just walking her away because this guy just, I mean, literally stopped a moving vehicle, put his car from drive to park and jumped out and just laid hands. 
I was like, my God, you are insane. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully, you know, we ain't, we are, we're beyond that. Yeah. You have all the good stories when it comes to this stuff. Um, are there any other traps that prophetic people have to be aware of that they don't fall for? Yeah. One, one, one again that I mentioned was just because you see something in someone's life doesn't mean you have permission to say something. Timing is everything. One of the great prophetic traps that people go into, get into is, well, God showed it to me, so I must say it. No, the Bible says the word is subject to the prophet. You know, so just because I get a prophetic word, I, it doesn't mean I have right to release it. Just because I've seen something, heard something, felt something, sent something, or know something, I got to know the timing of God. You know, prophetic traps, they're all over the place. You know, most of the time, prophetic people fall into this woe is me mentality. I'm the only hmm. one. I'm so unique. I'm so gifted. People don't understand me, so they hold me back. Mm -hmm. But the question is, do you really understand yourself? Prophetic people have to learn identity. Hmm. I believe the only way you're going to learn identity is to be mentored and fathered in a local church and be submitted, planted, and accountable to the church, to a pastor, or to a leader that is been given a grace to raise you up. That's very helpful. Absolutely. Because one thing I have learned over my life is prophetic people tend to be what I call lone rangers. Mm -hmm. And this, though you have this great gift to hear God, hearing God could be dangerous because then what they do is they use it as a trump card and they say, well, God told me. Mm -hmm. So everything mm -hmm. becomes God told me. Yeah. But, yeah. What do you say to that? Yeah, exactly. What they're saying is I don't need you. But yep. we saw that God covered a whole nation with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so what that does, what that shows us is God is God is our covering. And everybody says, you know, God is my covering. That's all I have to submit to. Yeah. But if he put you in a local church, he puts you in a place where that is your covering, that is your cloud by day and the fire by night that's there to protect you. You know, the Bible says, anoint my head or cover my head for the day of battle. We need, prophetic people need covering. I am a firm advocate and believer that prophetic people especially need a local church. They need to be connected. They need somebody to speak to them, to help them discern their gifts, their dreams. Because what happens is if they don't have the interpretation of God's word or scripture, they'll take their dreams and they'll run. Prophetic people are great starters, but many times they're lousy finishers because they're dreamers. They hear, they see, they move, they hear, they see, they move, they start, but never finish. And I really believe that that's why prophetic people need the apostolic in their life. That's why they need that full fivefold ministry in their life to help them become uh, successful in their gifting. Yeah. Appreciate that. That's um, that that's really grounded type stuff to just ground people because 
you know, for prophetic people, they can be so in the sky that um, unless they get grounded, they have the, um, they can veer off easily and um, find themselves doing that to other people. Well, let me, let me present um, something like putting, putting it out there, like somebody that is receiving a word. They're not prophetic, but they're receiving a prophetic word from someone. How should they go about receiving that prophetic word? What is that process of, all right, they just heard something, it's been presented to them. Um, some things are to maybe to be received immediately. Other things might have to do with a future event or something or other. But yeah, what, take us through some of that. Like what might be some of the process of how somebody can, what they can best do with a prophetic word they receive. Okay. Well, say a prophetic word is given to a believer who's young, but they believe. So first their spirit has to bear witness with the word, you know, and if it bears witness with the word, we receive that word. Then the next thing we have to do is write the prophetic word down. That after we write it out, the Bible says wage good warfare over the prophecies given. What does that mean? You know, does that mean that I stand and I shout at the prophetic word? No, to wage a good warfare just simply means to worship and believe. Mm -hmm. Our greatest warfare is our our fingers. God prepared them for battle and our hands for war. He's prepared us to worship. And Psalms 150 says, let everything that has breath, you know, praise the Lord. So when we enter into our time of worship, you know what I do? I bring out my prophetic words and I just begin to worship and I just begin to believe God. I reread them. I uh, hang some on my board to remind me of God's promises. And I begin to stand and I begin to recite them and remind God of his promises to me. And I ask him to keep them in my heart and help them come alive in me. You know, because when we begin to do this, we don't just begin to, uh, it's no longer just a word that came and went. It's a word that was spirit that, that was knit into our heart, into our being, into the fiber or essence of who we are. And we begin to cultivate it and cause it to come to life. We could see it like this. It's a seed. A prophetic word is a seed sown. My mm-hmm. duty as a farmer is to cultivate that seed. I got to water it. I got to make sure I uproot uh, any weeds that are growing around it. I have to make sure I tend and I fertilize and cultivate that until it matures. So at the time of harvest, it's ready to go. Yeah. Nice. So those are some of the simple things that we can do to grow in our prophetic gift or in our prophetic word that has been spoken to our life. That's how we defend it. That's how we cultivate it. That's how we, that's how we bring it to pass. Now I got another one where um, we know that the prophecy is for exhortation and um, what were the, what were the edification, edification and comfort and, and comfort. So, are there some words that we shouldn't be giving or prophetically shouldn't be coming forth um, based on some of the parameters of pr- the prophetic? Absolutely. The first one that I thought of is the end of the world. 
Yeah. Everybody wants to prophesy the end of the world. The end is coming. This is the day. That, that's the crazy day, yeah. because the Bible tells us no man knows. And so, you know, one of the things that we challenge, you know, our prophetic students to stay away from is you don't prophesy people into marriage. You know, mm -hmm. meaning if you just see two people in the crowd, you're like, hey, God says you're going to marry that person. You know, one, you know, because that's one is just dangerous Two, you know, it can fall into manipulation. Three, you know, you, you have no idea who they are and what they are. It's just a feeling, you know, so we try and teach people to to stay within their metron. You know, it's yeah. it's also like this. You know, myself, I can't walk up to the presidents of the United States and begin to prophesy to him just because I have a word. You know, I can't meaning you got to prophesy to people that are going to receive you. You can't you can't just prophesy to anybody. I mean, I have been privileged to minister to governors and to different political offices. Here's a pretty cool story. I remember. I was in Taiwan. The governor of the nation came to my meeting. I didn't know he was the governor. I laid hands on him, ministered over his governorship. The power of God fell on him. He weeps. He cries. He showed up to 11 meetings. Somewhere around the sixth or seventh meeting, he asked me if I would go to the White House with him in Taiwan and minister to the voice of justice to the minister of justice over the white house department. Of course I said, yes, they take me there. Well, this man doesn't know me. I'm there as a guest of the governor, him and the governor are friends, but he doesn't know me. He's a believer, but he doesn't believe in prophets. So they're, they're getting into a verbal altercation. They're speaking in, you know, Chinese. So I have no idea, but I could see the frustration. And finally, the president of the White House of the Justice Department looks at me and he says these words. Tell me, prophet, what I said to my wife in my room last night. Uh -oh. And right there, I held up my hands because I had a vision. And I said, I held up my hands and I said, tell him he was handcuffed he spoke in very broken english but he he got out his point and when i said that and they translated in into chinese for him and i began to share how he felt handcuffed and he told his wife that he was going to quit his political career that he was resigning because god had put him there to bring change to the nation, but he saw no change. And I began to minister on how God was going to use him to be a voice. He started weeping and crying. He embraced me and immediately his thought on the prophetic changed. Wow. That's a little bit above basic prophetic stuff that we're talking about. That's a little <laughs> bit more advanced. Yeah, that was, that was the true office of the prophetic in demonstration. <laughs> But it was a it it but it related to the question that you were asking, you know. Uh, so hopefully that was helpful. Oh yeah, and it gives the people a picture of how they steward the now and the types of things that God can give them entrance into. So now tips for someone in a church developing their prophetic voice or gift. What are some of the things that you would say? Hey, as you guys are 
um, getting warmed up to it, whether the, whether that's the Nabi gift or your seer. Um, yeah. What are some ways that they can develop that in their local church? Absolutely. First, the church has to be open to the prophetic. If you're in a church that is not open to the prophetic, don't believe the lie that you're going to be the one that opens them to the prophetic. Because there's two churches, the one that says yes to it and those that say no. There, there's no real in-between. Well, yeah, honestly, you know, you're either pro prophetic or you're you're not. And, you know, and then there's some churches that say, well, we believe in prophecy, but the gift never manifests. So it's never going to. You have to be in a place where that gift is manifesting. I have seen so many young people that die going to church because they carry a prophetic unction but it's never cultivated. And so for a church leader such as yourself, I would say, since you are open to the prophetic, you got to create opportunity for young men and women that are learning their giftings to have a safe environment where they can be given opportunity to minister in their gifting. Uh, I challenge churches all the time build prophetic teams, you know, where after service, after the pastors finished ministering, that there could be still people in the church that need prayer or would like a word. And if you have seven or eight people that you're trained up and you trust them with the word, also you're sharpening their gift and you're activating them. And now they're feeling like, my gosh, I'm growing in, in my prophetic nature and they have an opportunity to share. And you will be amazed at how strong the gift becomes in the whole house because we create opportunity. For an individual, I often tell them, start prophesying over yourself. Ask God for a word every day. Ask God to speak to you, give you a a verse or a chapter, give you a specific word so you can learn how to not only hear and receive, but also speak and declare. So mm-hmm. many times I started, most of the most prophetic words I got, I gave to myself. Mm. I know it sounds kind of funny, but that's how I, I began because that's how I was taught. And I would say the greatest thing that a man can do or woman can do to grow in their prophetic is to increase your prayer life. And increase your word life, you know, because every man has been given a metron, a measure of faith. Well, your faith can increase. Your faith can grow. And so how does it grow? By the hearing of the word of God. It grows because your spirit man is increasing. And as it increases, it expands capacity. And you'll be amazed that out of the gift of prophecy, out of the well of relationship that you have with God the Father, how much more you can speak and release into somebody's life. (laughs) Here's here's one last simple truth. Prophetic people, when they go through it, they get all downcast, frustrated, and they withdraw. They think God's mad or most people in general feel like what's what's wrong. But this is this is something that God's really put in my heart to help people. When you're in a season of crushing, it's not for destruction. What it is, is when something gets crushed, think of, think of the garbage can. 
you know, in your house. Sometimes it gets fluff stuff put in it, you know, like styrofoam. It gets, yeah. And what do we do with our hand when we recognize it's, it's like summertime? So a lot of times we use paper plates. Well, paper plates fill up real quick, but the truth is the bag's not filled. So what happens is I'll stick my hand into the, to the trash and I'll push it all down and compact it. That's exactly what God is doing in many people's lives when we're going through a difficult season. He's compacting. He's not crushing us. What he's doing is making capacity available so he can add unto us. Yeah. Prophetic people can't be afraid of living through their storms. Most people want to live life perfect, but I realize that every hardship or difficulty that I faced in my life, it was really the opportunity for me to grow in my gift. Yeah. And I wonder if this would be a good one to add too. I mean, people who are developing in the, their prophetic gift or want to develop in it, consider their family as maybe an audience or a place to start because a lot of what God wants us to do is relational anyway. And so ministering to our family in that way and getting feedback, it could be a very vulnerable thing. And, um, but at the same time, it keeps us authentic and real because our family's going to let us know. Absolutely. You got to have somebody, you know, minister to a friend. I would usually what we do is we have like small groups and we have them prophesy one to another. You know, if we're building a training prophetic class, you know, we get about 10 students. And what we do is we have the first five prophesy to the second five and then judge the word. We judge it. Then we have the second five minister to the first five and then we judge it again. And then what I challenge them to do is take it home and then write it out. If that word bore witness to your spirit and that encouraged you, then we need to write it down. I said, and you need to, you need to carry it in your phone. You need to, what you need to do is listen to it again and again, time to time and let God begin to stir that up and become part of your life. So you can go to the next dimension with that word. There you go. So that was super helpful. Thank you so much, Rob, for the words that you shared and some of this insight. Where can people find you or follow you? Social media, websites? Uh, yeah, how can they get a hold of you if they would like to do that? Oh, man. The easiest way would probably be by website. You know, you can find me at www.profitrobsanchez.com. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and pages on Facebook. On Instagram, Prophet Rob Sanchez. Twitter, it's at Prophet Rob pfi and on pages on facebook under prophet rob sanchez you know and just to give everybody a shout out monday through friday or a heads up uh monday through friday i post my libg uh prophetic words monday through friday Great. I, I always have a prophetic word posted as long as it's during the week and i just i believe in encouraging god's people i believe in releasing a word of the Lord. You know, I know that I released one the other day that people absolutely, I got a ton of feedback on. And it was just simply, you may have wrestled through the nights over this last season, but rejoice. It's a new day. I have put the blessing upon you. What was in the past no longer is you are blessed. And then I always, my signature is if you believe it, say, oh yeah. Life is very good. Hashtag L-I-V-G. We're trying to start a movement where people 
would just begin to live from above, not beneath. There you have it, guys. That's wonderful. This is uh, Rob Sanchez. Thank you so much again for your insights, your words. Uh, this is basic prophetic stuff. I hope it helps some people give some clarity, some instruction and direction as the prophetic tends to do. So thank you again, man. We'll see you soon. Okay, take care. Many blessings. Have a great day. I think there's some cool things you can take away from that convo. Come back again because we got some more cool Christian nerd topics. Oh, and if you like this podcast and want to see people you care about be a part of our cool Christian nerd tribe, share this podcast with them. Till next time, this is Jamie Centeno reminding you it's smart to keep your cool. Peace.